and brothers and sisters all across the world. Welcome back to another episode of the Sharing Time Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Sean Rapier, and with me, as always, is my dear friend, co-host, and one of the smartest men I know, Brother Ken Craig. How are you, Ken? I'm good now. That's quite a that's quite a generous introduction, Sean. Well, I only know about six people, so it's uh, <laughs> not that big. <laughs> yeah, so... Of course, the other five are so offended now. But uh, speaking of the top smartest people we know, Ken and I have a special guest uh, that is a dear friend of both of ours. He is a brilliant genius in the world of marketing. And I mean, I've worked with a lot of marketing people, but he is genuinely the best marketer I know. Tracy Smith, welcome to the show. Wow. Ken, I I have a feeling Sean is going to ask us or something because there is a lot of buttering up (laughs) happening here. And I'll say of the top five smartest people, you know, I'm the sixth. So that's. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can back up. I I should say I can I can definitely back up what I say about uh, Tracy in that uh, uh, Tracy and I were co-workers at one company. And actually, I I don't want to say I hired him, uh, but I was a big part of that. I Ken actually introduced us. That's right. I uh, that's how we that all deal. know each other. Yeah. Ken brokered that deal, still waiting on his percentage. But uh but uh then then I left and went to another company and tried to get Tracy to come join us. Then I went to yet another company years later and did successfully get him there. And Tracy and I have been co-workers for what almost six years again. So yeah, know. and uh, you know. My therapy is going along okay, and so the six years hasn't <laughs> been that bad of an issue. But yeah, yeah, it's been it's been all right. It's been all right. So I I get to work in sales at uh, a company called STM, and Tracy is our chief brand officer. And Ken, tell us your background in marketing. So I got my degree in advertising at BYU, and then uh, moved to Las Vegas. And got a my first job out of college was with an ad agency there, uh, but actually was doing more public relations. So that's my background is kind of all that communication, some advertising, some marketing, some public relations. How would you quantify your job now, Ken? Are you? I mean, schmooze is the word that <laughs> schmooze is the word that comes to mind. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's kind of a combination between relationship management, sales, and marketing. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's elements of all of it. In there, yeah. So I, yeah. I work in fundraising in philanthropies, and so it's, uh, yeah. I definitely feel at least when I interviewed, that was my that's the way I spun it. Yeah, <laughs> was that all pretty... of, all of my background really prepared me for this job? Please hire me. So. <laughs> and you've been there for quite a while now. So that's yeah, almost uh, almost seven years this summer. It's awesome, Tracy. You have one of the most unique backgrounds, which is what I think makes you a brilliant marketing guy. And uh, tell tell us a little bit about your education background, and then some of the work that you've done. Uh, well, having been raised uh, in a traveling circus with the lion tamer <laughs> as a uh, mentor, it, it, I've never considered it that interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Right now, I've just set the bar too high. Now, my, my life in comparison will be completely dull. Um, I, I, don't know, I don't know where the interesting part starts. I certainly have some interesting stories, but my marketing history started quite early, and it started when I was about 13, was the earliest time I can remember using marketing skills, and that's when the club stores first started coming out. This was pre-Costco. There wasn't the big brands yet, but the the concept was there where you'd come in and buy a 10-gallon tub of mayo for you know pennies on the dollar. Well, I thought the place was cool, but I didn't have any kind of grand vision, but my mom actually did. She, one time as we're walking down the candy aisle, which was an absolute dream, it was like walking through the Willy Wonka factory. I just sat and was fantasizing over the possibility of having all this candy or just one of the boxes of 200 candy bars would be amazing. And my mom said, you know what? You could buy a couple of these. They're only, you know, whatever it was at the time, 15 cents a piece. You could sell them for 25 cents a piece and make a profit. And then you could buy all the candy you wanted. And I thought, oh, fantastic. And so mom gave me the seed money for my first venture. And off I went, (laughs) came home, 
and I made some flyers. And one of the things about where we lived was we lived at the top of this hill. And so if you wanted to go downtown to where all the candy was, you had to make your way down the hill, but then you had to find your way back up the hill. And when you're when you're 10 to 14 years old, it was exhausting. It was a venture oh, that power. nobody wanted yeah. to go through. And so I thought, there's the benefit without realizing at the time that I was thinking in the terms of benefit, which is a lot of times kind of the way that you do marketing. But I said, hey, get your candy for less without having to go downtown. And then I took these flyers around and dropped them off at all the doors and all the houses in my neighborhood in our ward. I grew up in Idaho, so neighborhood equated to ward. Um, so I just dropped it at all the doors. And what do you know? I start making bank. These kids were showing up at my door and they were spending their allowance and their sofa money and anything that they could find. They're coming and cleaning me out of the candy. Well, I was I was rocking. I was living in the smarty Twix paradise for about <laughs> two months until the moms got together and shut me down. What? Uh, yes. No. Yes. The mother mafia showed up. Uh, and obvious. Hook me out. Like I literally had moms come to my door and say, you are not to sell to my child anymore. <laughs> They're wasting all their money. on your <laughs> Picturing so you with like successful. your baseball hat on backwards. I didn't do nothing. <laughs> did, did, did you say, uh, did you say, yeah, he bought uh, eight Twix bars last week. Sounds like you need one. So uh, if we could keep things going, you stop by every Saturday. Let your son Johnny keep coming by. I can keep you heavy in Twix for the next few weeks. I'll make you an offer you can't refuse, Mrs. Johnson. What I really needed was a a big friend that could just come up behind me and say, uh, you, "Hey, you want to talk to Polly? You can just talk to Polly. <laughs> Tell him you don't the want." The M Ms are going to keep rolling there. I think we're going to be just fine, just fine. So that's that's how I broke into the marketing world. And oh, that's great. And I caught I the bug. That story. I caught the bug from there, and it's just never really gone away. So, so tell us what you majored in, because this is where I think that you are you and you really are. We we've had some very, very long discussions. Tracy and I have driven to Las Vegas and back multiple times. And then uh, we're often down in San Diego where our corporate office is together and we go out and walk at night. We get into long, deep conversations. And Tracy, you are fascinating. But I think partly tell us about the majors that you the path that you took and what you studied in college. Yeah, and in school, I I first got my associates at what was then called Rick's College. They call it <laughs> BYU something now. But um, I, I started off, got my associates basically in graphic design. So I wanted to be an artist of sorts, um, and I thought I was going to draw for a living. Uh, but as I got into it, I had a couple of teachers that really pushed me towards graphic design as that would be a more lucrative profession. And so that's what I got my associates in. Well, then I transferred to BYU and got into the illustration department. Um, and there's a bit of irony to that because the illustration department at the time, and I assume it's still the same, was highly competitive. And so getting accepted into the illustration department was quite the achievement, and I was thrilled with it. But after a good half year of doing that, I felt like I was wasting my intellectual opportunity of school. Like I didn't feel like I was truly learning anything. A lot of it was go back to the studio and learn how to paint or go back and learn how to draw and then show up in class and learn how bad of an artist you are. That was kind of the process of learning. And so I thought, well, while I'm in school, I should probably learn something like I should get my my mind engaged, not just my my painting hand. And so after some consideration, I chose psychology and went into psychology. And so that's what I graduated with my bachelor's in was psychology. So it was it was quite the departure from where I was. And and funny enough, as I went through that degree, it took me two years to get that degree. I would, in every moment of free time, be doing something creative. I would be drawing. I would be constructing something. I would be coming up with something. And I realized by the time I got my degree that there's no way I'm going to be happy in this field, in spite of the fact that I really like the potential of helping people and understanding people better, it was, it just wasn't creative enough. And so it wasn't satisfying. And so after school, I went right back into being creative and started as a freelance graphic designer. It's awesome. Awesome. So you got all that background. 
you do you mix that psychology with marketing which is fascinating for me to watch um since we're going through our our uh you know our educational backgrounds uh i had a i got um a it's not quite a degree. It's called a GED um, in uh, 1988 uh, when I was 17. So that was my education background. So I stand in awe of these guys with their impressive degrees. I did marry a doctor, fortunately, but but it really is. I like your education, Sean, is uh, your experiential learning. Like you are yeah. a man who dives right in and... <laughs> I don't know. You, I, I've always envied. You have a great, a tremendous um, high threshold for risk and confidence of things working out. Like you just kind of head in and make it happen. It's fantastic. Yeah, we we call that stupidity. Um, is the other <laughs> word for it. If I if I were smart enough to understand the risks, I would not jump into them. But uh, I do, and it's fine, and it's worked out. But that's why I'm I'll, in sales. I'll say this, and hopefully the kids aren't listening. But Sean, you're an excellent example of sometimes you don't need college because I think you could step into any any classic um, mental bar fight and say, "Drop your diplomas and show me your intellect," and you could stand toe to toe with any of the any of the big boys out there. So I I wouldn't worry about it too much. Well, I I appreciate it, but I'm 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 in awe of you guys and all your training, and I. I got excited to talk about this uh, because I love marketing. You guys are brilliant marketers. And I, it got me thinking, and thank you for the compliment. I wish there was a bar like that. Um, you know, <laughs> that, that would be kind of fun. But uh, I love, I'm fascinated by marketing. Um, I always try to jump in and Tracy's very kind to me. He jokingly refers to me as junior copy, copywriter because I love coming up with slogans. They're usually based on really bad puns. Uh, but marketing, like bef- before for our audience, like when we say marketing, what are we talking about when we say, cause we're going to talk a little bit about how we market ourselves, how we market the church. When we say marketing specifically, like, what are we like, can you define marketing? Is there an easy way? I kind of know what I think of it as, but I'd love to hear either of you and your thoughts. I think Tracy will sound more textbook. Go ahead. Tracy. I don't, I'm not sure that's entirely true. Marketing is doing stuff for things. <laughs> hey, um, that was that was what I was. Hold on, I'm writing say. it down. <laughs> doing stuff for things. <laughs> it, it's funny because marketing, marketing from its origin is very different today than what it was then. Marketing traditionally, when it first started, had more to do about the strategic positioning of a company or product within a market than it is today. Marketing today is generally more considered the messaging, communication, and persuasion part of that strategy. Um, And so a lot of times in marketing, marketing really is about communicating with an audience a point for a purpose. And so you're trying to get some kind of information to somebody else for a reason. You're trying to accomplish Mm -hmm. something. So that's generally what marketing is. Um, And marketing doesn't always, sometimes you know, there are marketers that are very specific about their role in that they are to drive revenue, but that's a very, that's a narrow niche of what marketing is capable of and really what captures marketing, what marketing is. Yeah. Is, is, is it, so I know that there are kind of the two sides. There's the side where it addresses the market and does market research and market, but what we're going to talk about is it, is it fair to say persuasive messaging? I mean, is that a boiled down? That's what I think of when I think of marketing is persuasive messaging, not just messaging, but messaging that persuades. And the church spends a lot of money on marketing, a whole lot of money. Is there, we're all, all, this is a benefit for us. We're all about the same age. Uh, What's the earliest message you can remember from the church? And I will just give... A warning, if you have small children in the room, we will be using the word Mormon to refer to ourselves in some of these ads. So because, you know, that's how it was back in the day. So but do you guys have a first sort of a any kind of first memory of of advertising or marketing from the church? Yeah, I well, yeah. So for me, with my background in advertising, I wanted to be a, a creative director. And to me, marketing and advertising was storytelling which is kind of this message that we're talking about, this strategic message. 
it was it was telling a story or painting a specific picture to get that message across and hopefully telling the story in a way that the receiver is excited about it um and so i think a lot of the church at least the ads that i remember from when i was like a teenager were um messages of like <laughs> i don't know what was going on in the 80s but a lot of them were about dads not spending enough time with their families <laughs> <laughs> dead, was, beat. <laughs> dead beats yeah it was abound it was, yeah those you know during the yuppie era it was like hey leave work and go home and be with your family it was and it was really cute messages right of kids wanting to interact with their dads or play with their dads and then there were also like attributes or characteristics right like i know sean i think you and i have sung this one together mr robinson i broke your window and I've come to and confess. I've come to confess. <laughs> That's right. I told the truth. Little boy, yeah, we'll pay was, for this. Yeah, it was, it was uh, a lot of these. Uh, I, you know, when I think back to the '80s, though, uh, I think that there is that. Yeah, Dad, spend more time with your kids. But you look at outside of the church, the broader advertising, like uh, <laughs> it was you know, not the, that. <laughs> the, the 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 kid walks into his bedroom and the dad's sitting on the uh, bed and holds up the marijuana. Where did you learn this? Where did you learn about this? And then the kid, it's super over dramatic, and the kid goes, "Fine, I learned it from you, Dad. Okay, I learned it from you, and from watching you. Looks, <laughs> I learned it from watching you." <laughs> and the dad just looks all like. In shock, so <laughs> there was a fair amount of the uh, the dramatic, you know, family message there, and then, yeah. But I, you know, it's funny because immediately my head goes straight to that "I broke your window" ad. Tracy, is that one you remember well? Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that. That all the that entire series in the eighties that the church brought out was kind of called the Homefront series. That's right. And they had front, yeah. They, they had it was family centric and upon dozens of ads that they created. And I think you know some of them had a good helping of cheese on them, but they really, you know, if you go back and watch some of those, they were remarkably adept at creating emotional moments and coupling them with a message of action within those thirty to sixty seconds. And some of them were like 10 seconds. Some of them would be, remember that time last week when you said, we'll do it this week. It's this week, you know, and you're done. And the ad was out and you see this kid like over the dad's shoulder, kind of like waiting for his dad to do something. And his dad realizes, okay, I got to get off the couch. Got to go do this thing. Um, but the, the home front series had some of like, some of those that were really iconic, like the broken window. One of the most popular ones was Julie through the glass where the new couple is looking at their daughter in the nursery yeah. hospital. And it's got this like beautiful moving song, Julie through the glass. And they're seeing her life. Yeah. They see her before life. their eyes. And you watch the parents as they, as they go through this kind of dual experience of joy and wonder coupled with the fear of missing out and not doing this right and the time slipping away and they haven't even taken this girl out of the hospital yet. Mm-hmm. That that to me was one of those masterpieces. And as far as like true advertising, that was probably one of the earliest ones that I can remember. But the like I I can think of so many of those home home front ones. And they had they had quite a lot of like um not always top tier stars, but there were a, a lot of like sitcom B level recognizable recognizable yeah. people that starred in these things and it was yep. i think it was quite an effective campaign for the era um and one of the interesting things about the about the way that the church does its marketing often is well i'll say back then back then it was a little different than the way they've done it these days and back then they were not all those were to market the church in a sense but in reality, not a not a single one of them was a call to action to come to the church. All of them were a call to action to realign yourself with a righteous principle, with a behavior that would promote happiness. Like they were public service announcements more than anything. And they just happened to have the church tagged at the end. Um, and so they were 
you know, they were really kind of an, an altruistic human effort, just as much as they were an advertisement for an, a, an institution. Um, so I think they were really quite effective. Yeah, I always felt I always felt good when I saw them. Like they were they were it was like a B12 shot of happiness. It was just uh <laughs> like hey, I feel better having seen that commercial. Yeah, they were they were there were a lot of positive messages. The one part that always upset me is they started, they changed it at one point to say, you know, call this phone number for more information, or you know, there was no website back then, but it was call this number. You know, or you know, you will send you will send you a Book of Mormon or whatever it was, but then they started adding, call this call this number or talk to your Mormon neighbor. <laughs> well, wait a minute, <laughs> pressure is on you. Why am I getting wrangled into this? Um, that one that's not doing the job right now, that's not doing the missionary work. Go knock on his. <laughs> <laughs> if they were doing what they were supposed to, we wouldn't have to put out this commercial. Uh, when in reality, remember- when reality. That was sales, not marketing. Let's keep the department straight. That's true. That is true. Remember, missionary is sales. That's not marketing. (laughs) Persuasive messaging at a distance. That's the difference between that and sales. So, hey, that's actually a good good way to put it. Sales is just closer up. (laughs) Marketing is is sales from a distance. Um, Do you remember when they would air the thirty second version of our Heavenly Father's plan, and the guys walking through the field? And uh, they'd they'd air the short version of it and then get you to call the number and then they would send you out the full length video of our, do you you guys remember our Heavenly Father's plan, the church church movie? So Sean Stevens uh, was a big time Hollywood star. Like he was on the cover of Tiger Beat and uh, everything else. Uh, If I could make a marketing pitch or a sales pitch for Latter-day Lives, go find Sean Stevens' episode. And by the way, go find Tracy Smith's episode. It is phenomenal. It's a crowd favorite. Um, don't waste but, don't, don't bother. Totally. But, <laughs> but you, no, it's very good. But you can also go back to um, to Sean Stevens' episode. He was like, I mean, he was big. He was he was on the cover of magazines with like Sean Cassidy and with uh, all kinds of Tiger Beat, 1970s Scott Baio you know, all these hunks. And he was one of those guys. And then he starred in our Heavenly Father's plan, which was huge, but it changed the trajectory of his career in a major, major way. And Sean is one of the best dudes. He lives here in in Utah. Um, Phenomenal. Like his story is just amazing, but they used to show that they would have, and it was sort of like a, you know, he's kind of walking through a field from what I recall. And he's saying, you know, uh, do you, uh, you know, do you do you wonder about life? Do you ever get confused? You know, is God really out there? And I, it was incredibly impactful, you know, because there are a lot of people. Let's face it: if you're sitting on your couch at two in the morning, <laughs> flipping through the six channels we had in the uh, ask yourself some late seventies, early eighties, <laughs> you're probably well prepared to say, you know, are you happy with your life? There are very few people going absolutely past the uh, Pringles and, <laughs> you know, so I think, I think it does reach people at a time, but yeah, you know, I hadn't thought about it. The church really does kind of target times like you're a young married couple or you're raising kids or you're just, you know, given birth, or you're graduating from college, you know, all these times in your life that you may be looking for something different. I think that's really smart. Yeah. And they, they later, you know, in the, what, in the early two thousands, they started the I'm, I'm a Mormon campaign, Yeah, which was much more on the nose as far as like marketing the church per se. Uh, But that, that whole campaign was about demystifying and de-stereotyping the classic version of what Mormons are, kind of this like Amish light. Yeah. Buttoned up. Yeah. And so they would have people that you just wouldn't expect to be these, uh, you know, what the world thinks, whether it's like some kind of like cult or some kind of extreme religious type or some right-wing yada yada or you know, buttoned up, all white, all this, all that. They'd have, you know, these tattooed people and they'd have bikers and they'd have rock stars and they'd have all kinds of different personas whose, you know, 
whose identity outside of being a, a son or daughter of God and a member of his church would then like give people a chance to relate to us in a way that maybe they hadn't before because all they all, all they knew before that was the stereotype that actually wasn't all entirely accurate. Yeah. And and I think that the whole I'm a Mormon probably surprised people on a lot of levels. You know, you had because I, I honestly I believe that there were people out there who saw, hey, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this. It was always I'm this, I'm this, I'm this, and I'm a Mormon. I think there were probably people who went, Well, that guy can't be a Mormon. He's black or he's Asian. You know, aren't all Mormons white? Or aren't all Mormons, you know, or hey, I I mean, I live in New York City and I do this and that. Oh, you're allowed to leave Utah and be Mormon? <laughs> you know, I didn't didn't realize that. And then when you know, when you had guys like Brandon Flowers, you know, as the lead singer of The Killers, coming out and opening up and going, yeah, you know, it, a lot of times I think you go, yeah, Mormon celebrities, it's Donny Osmond. That's about where it ends for a lot of people. So to hear someone like Brandon Flowers espousing his faith in church when at the time the killers were, that was it. Huge. They yeah. were tops of the of the tops. I mean, they were amazing. And so... Yeah, it's it's it was pretty cool. Did you were you guys a little bit sad? Two questions, I guess. One, losing the Mormon moniker, and then two, losing the I'm a Mormon campaign, or do you think it ran its course on both? The the Mormon, the change from I'm a Mormon to I'm either a Latter-day Saint or a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints was negative only in in the efficiency for me. Yeah. Like it was just easier to say. But in reality, even even then, but especially now, looking at it now, just as the prophet said then, that we honor, we honor the prophet Mormon. What a great man he was. But this is the church of Jesus Christ. Yeah, absolutely. And, and sadly for Mormon, his name became an epithet early on in the church history. It became a way of making fun of us. And so the great name of Mormon became this like silly word or even a swear word of sorts back then. We kind of essentially owned it and made it our name and it grew. But the but I think that the problem happened that it also grew along with some other one word fringe religious groups who yeah. obviously are not the Savior's church. And I say obviously from a Latter-day Saint perspective, one who has had encounters with the Holy Ghost and other ways of knowing that this is in fact Christ's church. They are not Christ's church. And I'm not saying that in an antagonizing way. I'm just saying that as a matter of fact. There's the church of Christ. Sure. Yeah. They were one word names, you know, a, a kind of a, an extreme example is the Moonies. So there was an era through the sixties and seventies where these like single word brands for churches outside of, you know, the usual Catholics, Baptist sorts of things, but they were like these unusual names. They, I think we got relegated into here are the weird ones because of that. And so I think in a sense, it was, th there was some really good movement forward in what President Nelson did through following the revelations that guided him to move us in that direction. But I have found that in the conversations I've had personally, that to tell somebody, I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, brings the Savior in where the Savior needs to be brought in, especially yeah. now. And so in, in its in its outcome, I think it's great. Love it. And its adjustment, it was a little bit difficult. I I I hadn't thought of it that way. I hadn't thought about it in terms of the Moonies and the Quakers and the, you know, the blank. And I think a lot of people, they didn't know that we were Christians, you know. Um, I don't know if you guys know uh Nate uh Jones, uh just really funny guy. But uh, Nate, Nate refers to himself, and I'm not suggesting this is a, you know, the way to do it, but it's interesting. Nate says, "I am a Latter Day Christian." 
He kind of just takes it and smashes it all together. And he says, because he goes, it gets to the point that I'm a Christian. And I was like, yeah, I don't think that's in the church style guide, but I actually kind of dig it. (laughs) You know, he's like, I'm a Latter-day Christian. I mean, I'm a Latter-day, you know, to say saint ties into a lot of, it ties into the church name. It also ties into a lot of our history, you know, the saints crossing. But some people can mistake that too. If you come from a background of Catholicism, you're deconstructing saint before you build it back up. You know, it's not a church of saints the way that, you know, Catholic would perceive saints. One of my favorite things to come out of that change, it was really funny. There was a lot of debate, you know, back and forth, not debate. I mean, I think, you know, we all accepted it and and we mourn the loss of just being able to say, yeah, I'm a Mormon. That took a second or two, but there was a wonderful little comic strip that came out that showed two missionaries at the door, and a lady had answered the door, and and uh, the missionary said, "Excuse me, ma'am, uh, do you have twenty minutes to hear the name of our church?" That <laughs> <laughs> was so clear. What were your thoughts on it, Ken? I thought uh, going back to your original question, I, th- I thought the campaign was incredibly effective, and and with the message that hey, we're we're like you, you know, we're more relatable than you think. And, um, but I think it ran its course. And I think, I think the change was good because I think, I think a message that we're, we're not just the same as everybody is also important and and true. Uh, and so, and I think the name of the church, certainly like Tracy said, bringing in the name of Christ is, uh, is powerful and, uh, and certainly clarifying if you want to have a clearer message. and. uh, it, 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 there is, it does feel a little bit, <laughs> uh, more of a mouthful, but I mean, yeah. even me and I work for the church and my email address was Ken Craig at LDS.com or .org at LDS.org. Yeah. Now it's Ken Craig at church of Jesus org. <laughs> yeah. So even telling people they're like, now what's your email address? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll email, I'll email, I'll email you, and uh, it'll have my email address <laughs> in it, and uh, <laughs> or here's my card. Yeah, it's the, it's the email a... address goes around the back, and uh, it, no. <laughs> so it, it, it is, is a little bit more of a mouthful, but I think uh, to Tracy's point, I think it's valuable. I think it uh, it brings a different spirit with it and different uh, clarity. So I grateful for it. it. It honors Christ. I mean, there's no question it's putting the emphasis back on Christ and rebranding to a better alignment what we actually really, really believe, you know. Um, We've lost, but we've lost being able to say Mormon ads. Uh, (laughs) Did you guys, did you guys ever hang a Mormon ad on, uh, on your wall? Did you ever have one hanging? If this weren't audio, I'd show you my walls. They still are plastered. Is there, is there, did, did you ever have one on your wall when you were a, a teen? I totally did. I had several. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I sent you guys one, the, yeah. the gossip, don't pass it on. That's so good. the gossip one is the one that's most memorable to me. That's the one that I remember because it's hands covered in tar being passed along. So yeah, that one, <laughs> that one was pretty good. Ken, did you have one on your wall? I don't remember if I had it on my wall. I think uh, I would have gotten in trouble for. Uh, didn't they come in the uh, new era? That's what. That's in my mind. That's where they were, and I think I would have gotten. Were in they fold out from up the, the new poster? Yeah, I, I think sometimes they were. Actually, sometimes they were. Yeah, yeah. There was a. There's one that I don't know. I don't know if it's worth describing. Uh, I could. I'll text it to you guys, but I'm going to describe it because it just made me giggle. You know, people made their own. They'd make it look like one and it shows uh VHS tapes and it just says lackluster video on it. So it'd be any movie that's inappropriate and they're all aligned up on a shelf with the message that you shouldn't watch this stuff. And then there's a picture of Sean Connery in front of it and it says, use shelf control, <laughs> which I think is fantastic. But yeah, there were so many of them. They were, uh, is it fair to say, looking back at them, that they were slightly dramatic? Slightly. <laughs> what, you I don't think that's fair. I think that's downplaying it. You think marketing is supposed to be subtle, Sean? <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, there were clear, there were some that were. 
Those are those were internal marketing pieces. Those were not marketing for a, a proselytizing evangel evangelizing way. Those were marketing to saints. That's a good point. Latter-day yeah. Christians. Yeah. Yeah, it really was. It was, it wasn't, we didn't send these out. That's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. It's a CTR ring is the same thing. It's it's a reminder. It's a constant reminder. I mean, in reality, you know, we've been talking about advertising more than we've been talking about marketing necessarily. Advertising is a component of marketing. Yeah. Um, but there's so much about the church that is marketing in general. I mean, I was I was going to half joke when you said, what is the first marketing you can remember of the church? I was going to say, in the beginning, there was the word. And <laughs> Genesis is the original marketing. <laughs> yeah, it's true. No, that actually is a good point. And that's really like that really is what the scriptures are. We we it it takes them down too far a notch. It's a it's a little bit um taking away their holiness to equate them with marketing. But for the purpose that marketing serves for a company or a or a organization, it is the same thing for the Lord and his children, is that's how he communicates with us persuasively from afar, is through the scriptures. Yeah. And so that is in a in a form in a it's a very crude comparison, but in a way that's marketing. But certainly, every every church building that goes up, in a sense, is marketing. Every temple that stands atop a hillside is marketing. The light the world machines that sit in malls. Yeah, that's marketing. I was going to bring that up next. Was the whole light the world campaign? Yeah. All that's marketing in a sense. And it's the Lord reaching out to his children and saying, hey, look at this, pay attention. This is important. You need to come over and do this thing. Um, and so would you say the saints themselves are. Yeah, are the Lord, marketing messages, the Lord would. He says uh, the a the light right? on a hill cannot yeah. be hid. Neither does a man light a candle and put it under a bushel, but he puts it on a candlestick that might bring light into the whole house. Like that's what he's saying. Ye are the light of the world. So yeah. If if you if if our listeners are not familiar with the San Diego Temple, it's worth a quick Google. Uh Tracy and I, our office is down in San Diego, so all of our coworkers are down there. Let me tell you, every single one of them knows that temple. I mean, it it's right on the freeway, one. And secondly, it looks like a giant ice castle. I mean, it's stunning. But then we're able to have the conversation about the differences between temples and chapels. And they're shocked that they don't, you know, oh, you have temples also or chapels also. I thought you all went to that one building. It's like, well, <laughs> let me tell you the difference. So it is. I mean, it is marketing. It's it's persuasive conversation starters. You know, there's a reason that it's there's a large plot of land. And they could have set the temple in the back part of the land. You still would have seen it, but you wouldn't have seen it like you do now. You're driving down the road and all of a sudden you went, are we already at Disneyland? But uh, times 10, you know, I mean, it's it's right there. So bold and so bright. There's no one who doesn't know it. I hadn't thought of those things. And I think it's I think it's great that they now have Elsa standing out in the lawn now. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's great. That, that's, uh, a that's a courtesy laugh from my friends, folks, because that was a bad joke. No, that is that's a good one. But that takes us right into the Christmas season, which is Light the World. And uh Light the World when it the first year that it launched. And uh if you want to hear a little more about Light the World, uh, we had an episode in December with John Dye, who was he was instrumental in being the one who launched Light the World, and he talks about it in our our episode from a few months back. But um, Light the World, when it first started, uh, my wife and I took two of our sons uh, out to New York for New Year's. We actually did the whole Times Square ball drop, the whole thing in, in Times Square. And the first night we got there, we walked out into Times Square, and it was so cold We'd been flying and it was just such a big thing. This was the first year of Light the World. We walked out into Times Square and there was the most massive digital billboard in all of Times Square with the Light the World message. And I just started to cry 
and I mean, tears streaming down my face. It was so powerful. And it was especially powerful when you talk about a light, you know, upon a hill or, you know, that light can be hidden in Times Square, (laughs) in this place of, hey, it's Christmas, you need to buy stuff and buy this thousand dollar designer pair of pants and you know, hey, here's all these scantily clad, you know, people to look at. And the messaging was so loud. And here was this beautiful picture of Christ being born with Light the World and Learn More. You know, go to lighttheworld.com. Stunning. I I, I love love that whole campaign and love that we kind of keep keep doing it. It's great. Yeah, I agree. I think that was a beautiful, beautiful campaign, wonderful concept. I mean, the, the thought of being able to walk up and buy a goat for somebody as, mm-hmm. you know, it seems a little silly almost, but the reality of what you are doing in that moment, you're buying a goat for somebody. You are buying milk for somebody. You are buying potentially meat, You're a, a meal, several meals. Like you, what you are doing in that moment is so different from, do you think mom would like these slippers or these slippers? You know, it's so different in that moment. I think it's fantastic, especially at the at the Christmas season. Plus, Sir, I want to buy this goat. <laughs> Christmas goats. It will replace it, Christmas it, uh, shoes. Uh, yeah, then Christmas shoes. It uh, well, and then there could be a whole thing about uh, a a goat and a, a cat. You know, and the cat freezes because of the goat. <laughs> Go back to our Christmas music episode yeah. to hear about that. Can I can never I had never heard of that, but I can't get out of my head. But the whole vending machine goat thing also saves me a, a trip to Tijuana twice a year. So I got that going for me. Um, not to mention just the storage of a goat for six months. So, you know, there's all that. Um, yeah, like how but, else would you do that? Yeah. I mean, honestly, like, I don't know. I think that's pretty impressive. I I love the giving machine. One thing about the giving machine, and I think it plays into, even though it's a reverse of buying something, like we went in with our budget. We we said, we're going to spend X amount. And we spent that. And then we were like, ooh, they have backpacks for kids in this area. We got to do a couple of those. And (laughs) wait a minute, did you notice this? All right, let's do a little bit more. Like, it was so fun and so exciting. And yeah, that kind of buzz. And then the fact that now they find local celebrities that they're partnering with, some not members of the church at all, and local media are getting involved. It's it's a pretty cool thing. So um, when we market ourselves as members of the church, we market, we put our brand out there. Are there some pitfalls we we make, do you think? Are there some are there some things that we that we miss or maybe get wrong, do you think, or that we could maybe do better? I mean, probably because we're human. Um, yeah. What are some, I mean, are there some common ones that you can think of that have made you maybe cringe a little bit? Um, Maybe because I'm leading with 10% of your income, no Sundays and no parties. <laughs> That's a problem. I don't know. i i have seen i've seen latter-day saints uncomfortable with being latter-day saints you know we we go all in and i mean especially once we've been through the temple and the things that we promise that we're going to do for the kingdom we go all in and i think we just need to do that i think we need to be all in but i see sometimes where people Two two things I've noticed. One, and I, I know I've been guilty of this, and I've tried very hard to get away from it. One is uh, trying to shy away from parts of the church. You know, like when, when people will say, oh, you know, do you still have plural marriage? Which, by the way, you know, I travel all over the country, used to travel the world quite a bit. I would get asked that and still get asked that sometimes. I got to ask, you know, you can be honest with me. And we tend to downplay it as if it never happened. Oh, that's not really a thing. And I lean into it. I go, that was that was a big part of our history. In fact, you can read all about it. You know, there are lots of great books about it. And there are many reasons why it could have been. But here's when it was actually gotten rid of. And right now, not only is it not a wink and a nod like people think it is, you will be kicked out of the church for it. Like, it is totally not tolerated now. There was a time where they... They found it acceptable. Um, the other thing I think a pitfall we run into 
is trying to over-explain things that we don't need to over-explain. I get asked so often, why coffee and tea? Yeah, but I don't get it. Why coffee and tea? You know, we believe in a prophet and it's commandment. I used to go down, well, coffee has this. And according to Stanford, I'm pretty sure that's not why we have the word of wisdom. <laughs> you know, and we we get caught up in this, you know, why 10%? Well, studies have shown that actually giving 10% is the perfect number for why eight years old for baptism. You know, where and here's this like softball opportunity to talk about revelation, to talk about restoration, to talk about what makes us different. And instead, we run to what we think that they want to hear. Maybe they want to hear something, you know, scientific, or maybe they want to hear us say, this will really make them go, oh, yeah, you bring up a good point. The spirit is not going to testify of, yeah, he made a good point. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the spirit testifies of truth. And we should we have an opportunity to tell our story sometimes, and we worry about how people will perceive it. And I think we just need to be better about telling our story from the heart. Ken, he makes a good point. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my, you know, that's kind of my my overall my overall thought on it. Yeah, I think it's I th- I think it's uh, to your point Sean, I don't think we should walk around like uh like our membership in the kingdom is some sort of a headache. <laughs> it's some sort of a burden like we have to apologize for it or or try to explain it through a secular lens um which is how a lot of the world will see it. And so it's almost like we're trying to uh I don't know, like you said, shy away from revelation, shy away f- from uh, explaining it in a way that may be peculiar to them. But uh, yeah. it's not going to make it's not going to make sense if you're trying to explain it in a pragmatic, secular tone. So, and here's here's something that can kind of give you a little a little grace in your efforts to do it is that I think a lot of us those of us who are trying to be good examples, those of us who are trying to answer those questions well, sometimes we might have the fear that if I screw this up, I'm going to ruin that person's chance to have accepted the gospel. Mm. Yeah. Like we worry about what if I ruin it? Yeah. And there's a couple of things. One is that like there's doctrine and the doctrine is that the savior is the savior you know, there's the concept of saviors on Mount Zion that we can participate in the process of that, but that Christ has us in his arms. We are his flock. He is our mm-hmm. shepherd. He'll take care of this. We're not the ones that it's riding on. Still important that we do our best because we're, we can be instruments in his hand, but it's the savior that's going to take care of that. So we don't need to worry about it from that level. But the other one is from a marketing level, that's kind of our theme for tonight. The reality of marketing is the vast majority of the people you market to will not listen, remember, or care about what you're saying. They just won't. And you have to accept that. You just have to accept that. It doesn't matter how well you put out your marketing. It doesn't matter how compelling it is. It doesn't matter who your superstar celebrity is. The majority of the people that you throw it out to are just not going to care. They're not going to do what you want them to do. It doesn't mean that your marketing is bad. It just means that there's people that just aren't going to hear the message. And so I agree with you, Sean. I think we should not shy away from it, both because we should, we took the name of Christ upon us. We don't shy away from our last names generally. We shouldn't shy away from the fact that we take took Christ upon our name. And all that includes Christ appearing to the prophet Joseph, Christ guiding the, the prophets who recorded and then translated recorded, abridged, and then eventually translated the Book of Mormon. The prophets who led us to polygamy, the prophets who led us away from polygamy, the prophets who have done, and then you just fill in the blank of all the things that the world goes, say what? And you just go with it because that is the Savior. Yeah, I I think that's really wise. And I I would also say, like, lean on your strengths, Know, know thyself. And you know what? If you are a scriptorian, lean on scripture. You know, if you are a generally friendly person, make it really friendly. If you're a more serious person, be serious about like, be who you are. Don't try to be something. Uh, and it's surprising how, and, and also, you know, let's not get offended. 
let's not let's not become the offended group. You know, most people are coming at us with like just be thrilled there are questions. Um one of the experiences I had that's you know, I'm I tend to make a lot of jokes and a lot of dumb jokes. And uh Tracy and I were with a company that had been acquired by another company and they I I stayed on with that company and uh, flew out to train their staff on what our company does. And the owner I had known for many years, and this was a company out of Southern California, and they had these uh, young women who worked for the company who apparently had, according to them, never met anyone from our faith. And uh, the the day that I was coming in to do the training, they had gone to, into his office and they said, hey, um, is what we're wearing okay when he gets here? And the owner was like, what What are you talking about? And they said, well, we know he's coming from Utah. We know he's a Mormon. Should we run home and change? We just found out he's a Mormon. Should we go put on like long pants and like long sweaters and stuff? And and the owner of the company was like, well, no. Uh, have, have you ever met a Mormon? Like he seemed confused. And, you know, again, I had known him for years. And he goes, yeah, these guys, they're just like anyone else. Like, yeah, they don't drink. And he's like, but otherwise, like seriously they are like anyone else right okay what what are we allowed to talk about and not allowed to talk about and then tonight when we go out to dinner should we not order alcohol because he's there and he's like guys really you're overthinking this you must know some mormons and they're like well but they're from utah and they're very nervous so anyway he filled me in on this and these poor girls were on the front row and so i stood up we were still using mormon at the time but i stood up and said i uh, just want to say hi to everybody you know i'm sean i'm from uh utah and listen some of you have heard i'm a devout mormon and uh, that might make some of you nervous but two things first off you're welcome to come ask me any questions at all i swear i've heard them all you know don't be don't be afraid to come ask and secondly we're like most people, you know, we're not that different. In fact, just last night, I was telling one of my wives that I feel like we're mis <laughs> misunderstood, you know, throughout the world. And the looks on these girls, of course, the guys in the back who knew me already were just dying. But the looks on these girls' faces of just total discomfort, their eyes got huge and... Anyway, it was it was pretty fantastic. So That's that was I would say use your strengths. Look at what what are you known for? What are you really good at? And you know, use that. Does that sound about right? Does that make sense? Yeah. I I had an experience uh some years back. I went I was sent down to Brazil. I was doing sales for a company that um and there's a possible distributor down there, so I went and met with him i learned portuguese on my mission but we went out to lunch and he and i'd already spent several hours with him so we're at lunch and he goes you you have to try this beer and i said oh i don't uh, I, I don't drink alcohol and he was you know that's uh, yeah i get that you've got to try this tea <laughs> and i said i guess funny i don't i don't drink tea either and then he looks at me and he said are you mormon and i said yeah i am and he looked up and then he looked down at me and he said, I knew it. I have dealt with so many members of your church down here in Brazil, and there is something different about them. And I could see it in you. There is a light and there's just this, they are so honest. They are so good. And I was just like, hats off saints of Brazil. Like you have marketed well to this man. Like what an example of what you would want to be known for, you know, sure. He deduced that I was through word of wisdom things but that wasn't what he was already tipped off by just me being who i am and knowing other people of a similar mold i guess and so it was uh i was so happy uh that i that i didn't throw off the brand that the saints of brazil had been had built for this man and so i think um i love the idea of our marketing quote unquote being organic of, of us leaning into our strengths of us whether it's with our humor or our family or the things that we love that that make us different in such a positive and and light-filled way that someone else looks at that and says, I, I like that. I want to be around that. I want that in my life. And um, so when we let the, the gospel of Christ make us a happier people, I think that's the light on the hill. That's the 
that's the example that we can what we can be. Yeah, I agree. And there there really are few, if any, that epitomize that, embody that as much as you do, Ken. Oh, amen. That's no, exactly no, totally. why I was bringing that up, Tracy. I mean, this 100%. is when we have lunch. I have to put on sunscreen before I put on because <laughs> of your light shining. So I'm not surprised that guy saw it because I don't know who can help but see it in you. Oh, you're That's very it. kind. Yeah, Ken is one of the best people on earth. It's a little bit annoying if I'm being honest, but you really don't want. Uh, you don't want. You would never want because of your marketing of the church. Because of your own personal brand, that that's my worst fear, is that somebody meets another member of the church and says, I know this guy. I met this guy, Sean. Please don't tell me about your church. Knowing him, I don't want any part of it. You know, you, you really hope for the opposite. I We're going to wrap things up. Uh, we're, boy, we've gone, we've gone to uh, time, but I got something I want to do since you guys, I know advertising and marketing are different. I do know the difference, but I want to finish with a game because I'm curious as to how two seasoned marketing guys would do. Uh, I am and play along at home, but I'm going to give you the company slogan and you have to name the company. All oh, right. Oh. oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll see how you guys do. First to shout it out gets the point, I guess. Some of these are so easy. Some of these are a little bit tricky. Like you'll know it, but it might take a second. Uh, Coca Cola. So we'll, we'll we'll start with some, and that's the end of our show. That's all it was. So uh, we'll start with the uh, we will start with some easy softball ones. Please play along at home. But uh, but here we go. All right, just do it. Oh come on, Nike. Nike, it is. All right, I told you we're gonna do a couple of easy ones, but these will get harder. Uh, Nike slash President Kimball. <laughs> trick question <laughs> he took out the he took out the just he was the do yeah. it guy all right um another easy one breakfast champions Wheaties. Wheaties. yeah all right here we go this one's we're gonna get trickier now the best a man can get Gillette. Gillette. oh i wouldn't i don't know if i would have known that there are some things money can't buy for everything else master there's mastercard yeah Bet you can't eat just one. Lays. Lays? Boy, you see, you guys really are good. All right. How about... Or, uh, or we're just products of the 80s. We just shave. <laughs> we have credit card debt. And we, we eat a lot of potato chips. <laughs> uh, speaking of eating a lot, think outside the bun. Taco Bell? Taco Bell. Good, kid. All right. This is, this is one that... Think big. Think big. That's the tagline? Think big? That's their slogan. Yeah. It'll make sense when you hear the company. I know this one. I know. I've heard it. Think big. Is it fast food? No. It's entertainment. Oh. Think about movie theaters. Think big. Oh, wow. Think big and movie theaters. IMAX. IMAX. IMAX it is. Good. Uh, what's in your wallet? Capital One. Uh, shave time, shave money. Is this Sean Connery again? <laughs> Shelf. <laughs> Shelf Reliance. Shelf control. Shave time, <laughs> shave money. Is it the that Tracy, Dollar Shave Club? Him. Yeah, I was going to say Tracy, you've quoted them before. Yeah, Dollar Shave Club. That's their that's their thing. That's all for freedom, up. freedom for all. Wow. I, I never knew Boxers. this was their slogan. But <laughs> <laughs> no, but think about uh think about America. You want to get out there. Jeep. Show your freedom. Oh, yeah. It's good. Not be. Jeep. No, even more so. You don't want to mess with guys who Harley are Davidson. Harley Davidson. All right. Uh quality never goes out of style. Mm. I've heard that. Uh, I've heard that's true. <laughs> Who's on the street? Is that's true? This Pratt yeah. band probably disproves it every day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> quality, quality never goes out of style. style. Levi's. Yeah. There's, wow. There's good pants. pull. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ken. <laughs> Ken. Ken. We had long discussions about uh, 
about uh parachute pants okay how about this one um because you're worth it oh oil of olay oh <laughs> close avon no close so close because you're worth it it's you're one in the of- right category yeah it's for the sisters, whatever it is. <laughs> it's for the sisters. That's uh, L'Oreal. Uh, L'Oreal, because you're worth it. Uh, okay, the snack that smiles back. Not cannibalism. <laughs> the snack that smiles back. Uh, come on. Have you not worked um, in nursery? <laughs> oh, is it goldfish? Goldfish yes, crackers. Goldfish crackers. <laughs> That's what it is. Okay, just a couple more. That's horrifying. Of them. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is horrifying. Uh, the ultimate driving machine. Oh. BMW. BMW. Yes, yeah. it is. Uh, this one, uh, obey your thirst. Sprite. 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 Yeah, that's a good one. Let's go places. Hmm. Let's oh, go places. It's a car, it's a car company. Yeah. Yeah. It's an obvious one. Uh, I can't yep. remember. It's one of the big boys. Ford. That's a Toyota. Toyota. Toyota Let's Go Places. And we will finish apropos with the happiest place on earth. <laughs> the temple. Yes. <laughs> it all comes for a full circle. <laughs> By the way. If you would not have said the temple, your recommend was going to be uh, <laughs> yanked away. Well, this has been so fun, guys. Tracy, thanks for joining us. Sean, can I indulge us? Yes. In last thought, please, by all means, of course. Marketing. I had the thought of as we were talking. Um, in the in the process of marketing, I'll give you a little inside baseball. It'll bore you to death for about thirty seconds. The key to good marketing is that you understand who you're marketing to and what they want. Like if you can understand who it is and what they are really looking for, you can craft a message that can leverage that to move whatever you're trying to move, whether it's a product, whether it's a message, whether it's a belief, whether it's whatever it is. If you really understand that person and know what they are after, and a lot of marketers are cynical enough that they will look for the weakness. And you'll see this in marketing. Are you tired of yada, yada, yada? They'll list things that you're feeling pain about. They know this. They're going to leverage that, exploit it to get what they want. Well, the second best marketer that has ever, ever marketed anything happens to be a guy, goes by a couple of names. One of them is Lucifer. And this guy is as good a marketer as almost anybody but he's still number two, rightfully so. But he knows messages and just how to access your weaknesses, the things that you really want. And he'll tell you things that will exploit those to get you to buy what he's selling. And he's subtle. A lot of times marketing isn't subtle. He's very subtle. And sometimes he's not. Sometimes he's very obvious and he's right up front with it. Las Vegas. Uh, But one of the things that you can be a good, responsible consumer, so to speak, is to understand how marketers do what they do. And the better we understand the way that that Satan is going to market to us, the better we'll be able to resist his marketing. And fortunately for us, the best marketer that has ever been is, of course, the savior. Because the Savior has the Spirit on his side, which is an advantage that the devil, fortunately, does not have. And he has truth. And so while the the devil will look for ways to deceive us and trick us, all the Savior does is market truth to us. He will whisper truth. He will state truth to us. And he will have others state truth to us. And so as we go through our life, if we look at the way that the adversary and the Savior approach us and the messaging that they bring to us, you can quickly start seeing the deceptive practices in marketing that the adversary uses and the beautiful truthful practices in marketing that the savior uses. 
And by doing that, you'll start seeing through things that may have been confusing and attractive if you hadn't thought about it that way. I live in marketing, so it's a lens I see the world through, but it has been particularly useful for me to be able to scrutinize things in the way that a marketer does and help me to see truth where I might have fallen for something that old number two might have come up with. Holy cow, Tracy. I might just edit this so that's the entire episode. <laughs> just that. that is profound as I would expect. So to uh, to our audience, thanks so much for sticking with us. It was well worth it just to hear that. That was phenomenal. Um, but uh, if you enjoy the show, if you could tell someone about it, we would certainly appreciate it as our numbers keep growing uh, with each episode. And it's because of uh, awesome people like Tracy who join us uh, in each episode. Tracy, thanks so much for coming on. This was a really, really fun discussion. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, guys. This has been a blessing to be here. And Ken, good to see you, my friend, as always. Always. And to our audience, thank you so much for listening. And we will see you next time here on the Sharing Time Podcast. (laughs) 